This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The Rays Radio Network proudly presents This Week in Rays Baseball. Drilled to center field and deep. Back out of his seat. To the track. To the wall. It's gone! Kevin Longoria with a two-run home run to straightaway center, and he gives the Rays a 6-4 lead here in the ninth. Coming up, we'll recap the action from this past week, take a look around Major League Baseball, and sit down for in-depth interviews with the biggest names in the game. The 2-2 now. Check swing on the slider. Strike three. Chris Archer jumps off the mound and bounces his way to the dugout. Here's your host, Neil Solons. Good morning. Welcome to our show this week. We'll hear from Taylor Motter about his first full week of the majors. We'll chat with Brian Anderson of Fox Sports Sun. We'll also look back at first-time call-ups for Tyler Sturdivant and Ryan Garten, visit with former Rays draft pick Derek Dietrich, and also sit down with Soot Zimmer, as this coming Saturday marks two years since Don Zimmer's passing. We continue on This Week in Race Baseball. Our feature guest this week is Taylor Motter. And, Taylor, welcome to the program. First full week in the big leagues. What has this whole experience meant to you, and what's it been like? Uh, it means the world. It's been awesome. You know, getting the call-up is, is always a special thing. And just to be here and enjoy it with everybody I spent two spring trainings with is, is surreal. Can you go back to the call-up and what's going to be the biggest takeaway from that and, and how surprised you were? Um when I got called up, uh, I got a text message from Jared in the morning. He said, you're not playing today. If you say anything, you won't play tomorrow. So, of course, I wake up to that text, and I don't want to say anything to him at all because I wasn't a fan of waking up to that text. So I show up today. I don't say anything to him at all. Then we have Jeff Decker run through the wall, and we have to move Cameron Seitzer from first to third, and everyone's wondering why I'm not moving from the bench to third. And a couple guys came up and asked me, and then after he was like, um, you, you didn't say anything to me today, or you said something to me today, so you're not going to play tomorrow. I said, no, I didn't say a word to you today. I made sure I avoided you because I didn't like waking up to that text. And uh, he said, all right, good. You won't play here tomorrow. You'll be playing in the trop tomorrow. I was like, you know what? I'll take that. So I was a little bit happier with that. How much did all of that mean in context of, you know, and, and, and where you've come from um, and, and getting there at this point? I've been the player who's always been behind the eight ball, and I hate to say that because no one wants to be perceived as that guy. Um, but being drafted in the 17th round when we had the 2011 draft, we had all those draft picks. Um, then getting drafted, moved from short to third. Then Goodell got drafted. Then third to the outfield. Then Richie got drafted. Then it was more outfield. It was no infield. And then to finally come and, and go to Dominican and play some shortstop and be able to just see the the – the process of what's happened and to be here is just, I can't even put it in words. Do you think someone like you has a greater appreciation for what you or what's gotten you there than maybe other guys would because it's taken you a while in all the trials and tribulations? I mean, I think we all go through our ups and downs in, in getting to the big leagues, which is where we all want to be. You know, some guys are first rounders, but they still have struggles that we don't know about going on in their, in their households and stuff like that. But 
from a baseball standpoint, I, I think that this has meant more than I can even tell you just seeing from where I've come from and started to be here and, and be on the field with these guys is awesome. I would think an infield hit where you had to kind of scrappy and beat it out for your first A-B was almost appropriate. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm going to play the game hard, and for me to hit a ball like I did and beat the pitcher over there, it's it's just the way I play the game. I'm not going to give them any easy outs. I'm not going to give them easy at-bats. They're always going to have to deal with me on the bases. I'm going to play anywhere on the field, and I'm going to give them my best effort every night. Later in that series in Toronto, you hit your first home run. Um, the Rays didn't get to give you the silent treatment. At that point, they forgot. Uh, but you also got some pretty good treatment your next home run when you were able to do it basically in your backyard. To, to walk double, homer, drive in three in your first game near the park where you ended up going or near your home area, what did that mean? Yeah, you know, to have everyone there and, and – they saw the first one on TV in Toronto, which was great. You know, I remember Kiermaier giving me that big hug on deck, and I'll never forget that. Um, but then to, to repeat it in Miami was, it was just, like I said, a lot of it is unexplainable. You know, I got 20 to 30 people in the stands watching me against a team I grew up playing against or watching and going to spring training games. And, you know, it was just an amazing experience, and I couldn't have asked for anything more. Who were you a fan of on the Marlins teams growing up, and why were they your favorite players? Man, now we're going back. If you want to go to when they won the World Series, it was uh, Jeff Conine was a big, big influence. Uh, Bobby Bonilla, uh, Gary Sheffield. And then we get later, you got Josh Beckett, who I remember watching all the time, Miguel Cabrera, Dontrell Willis. Um, just from that little quarter that that century whatever it was from 97 when they won it to 2003 and they won it again all the players throughout that organization I pretty much knew and admired but those five pretty much stood out the most you got to games at, at the old ballpark did you ever get in there get autographs signed or or catch any balls during batting practice what do you remember there in Roger Dean spring training I did and I remember going down to West Palm and watching some of the Expos, which most of the Marlins came from the Expos. Um, I remember watching more of the spring training games, but during the regular season games, it was kind of we were just there to watch baseball and weren't really worried about you know going to BP and stuff like that. We were just taking it all in. Were you always a baseball fan? I know you played high school basketball. Was it always baseball, number one sport all the time? Oh, yeah, it was baseball nonstop. Uh, baseball, 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 baseball. That's all it was. If it was raining out, it was a bad day because I knew I wouldn't go to baseball practice later if I got a bad grade or if I got in trouble at school I knew I wasn't going to baseball practice later so it was kind of kept me focused on what I had to do as a younger age and it was good. You've got a an outgoing personality I would say probably to say the least where do you get that from mom dad who in your family is more like you? Um, You know my mom says I take after her but I really take after her dad Um, her dad was a baseball player and they say that we have the same exact personality looks everything. Even the hair? You know, my mom said he did have longer hair. He started losing it uh, before he died, so I'm kind of getting worried. But, you know, I'll just keep taking care of it. Hopefully it'll stay around. When did that start? When did the long hair? I mean, was it high school? Was it as a professional? It was the year that I had the worst year of my career in low A, Bowling Green. I was hitting probably 200, playing every other day, every other two days. And I was like, you know what? My hair isn't working short. Let's have it long and see what happens so that's when it started I would say 2012 and the last haircut was uh throughout the minor leagues we had to trim it so I've gotten it trimmed but I'm probably going on a good year without touching it right now maybe a little trim of the dead ends here and there but that's about it 
hard to keep healthy? I mean, at least you play indoors now, so so that makes it a little easier to maintain. Yeah, you know, being in the humidity in, in Florida, it gets a little frizzy every once in a while, but um, it's it's pretty easy throwing a shampoo, a little conditioner, and uh, a little leave-in, and you're good. I'm sure you were appreciative, though, when you started, not to start the year of the minors, but they did have the relaxed rules this year. Um, what did that mean to you that they changed it up a little bit? You know, when it comes down to it, baseball is just you want to be comfortable playing it. And if you're showing up every day worrying about shaving or, or having your pants cut right so they fit or this and that, it, it's just other things that we don't have to worry about. And I understand what they were doing when they did it. They want everyone to be, you know, the same. They, they want to play baseball and this and that. But now that they don't have to worry about it, guys can go out and just play ball. And I think that's the biggest thing. If guys can go out and just focus on baseball and play baseball, I think that's the biggest thing. You are someone who, again, personality-wise likes to keep guys loose. How? What's the craziest thing you've done that you can tell us on air in a clubhouse to keep guys loose, either during game or in clubhouse? And how do you know where that line is in terms of crossing it? Uh, I mean, some of the things that I can't say, I'm sure I've crossed the lines. Um, but I'm always a guy to flirt with it. I'm always a guy who does it jokingly. And maybe they'll, I'll get away with it for a little bit, and then it'll switch, and, and I'll go back to being serious. But I think the the funniest thing or the best thing I did was we were going on a streak of 0 and, like, 11 last year. And after the game, I just said, well, you know, I'm going to shower in my uniform. So hat, cleats, uniform, everything stayed on. I took a shower in it. And, um, you know, after that, we turned around. I think we went 5-1 and one the next series or something, the next two series, something like that. So it was nice. How important is it to have guys in a clubhouse that way? And it sounds like that's who you are. I mean, you're you're not doing it just to do it. No, I mean, we're we're around each other constantly and you you don't want to get on people's nerves, but you also want to keep them around the locker room high and I haven't really taken over that role here yet and I don't really expect to and and I'm fine with doing whatever I got to do here. But when I was down in AAA, I wanted to be that guy who kept the morale high, who kept everyone smiling and laughing. Even if they went 0 for 5, 0 for 4, I wanted them to know that we're going to play another baseball game tomorrow. It doesn't matter how you did today. Let's go out and win a game tomorrow. You'll do better tomorrow. I know you've got to also find ways when you're away from the field to relax and not make it 24-7 about baseball as much as you know it was your drive to get here. So what do you do away from the field to, to relax? Um, well, I just picked up golfing a little bit. Uh, golfing helps me relax uh, just to get away from it to, to think about other things um, me and my roommate Luke Maley did that a lot um, my girlfriend was actually here too with the dog you know taking the dog out is is awesome too having to worry about the dog and and you know that's another life you got to feed it you got to take it out you you got to take care of it, you got to play with it you got to make sure it gets its exercise so the four hours that you spend with the dog helps also and you fish or hunt? What, what? I do, but I have not been able to fish this year because of all the traveling. I left my rod in um, Durham, so I've been looking to go find another one. But we've been so busy trying to find apartments, hotels, getting my stuff down here. So it's just been hectic, hectic. So I can't wait to just take a off day here and take a deep breath and, and find a way to relax. And obviously your goal is to stay here long term. Well, how do you describe yourself as a ball player um, and what things allow you, do you think, to, to put yourself in a position to stay at the major league level? I think the goal is to, to come here and stick for anybody. And um, for that being my goal, I think for me it's going to be to show I can play every position and play every position well. I don't think it's just enough to go out there and show that I can play every position. I have to play well at every position, um, show that I can 
handle myself as a professional here in the batter's box, in the clubhouse, in the dugout when I'm not playing, on the field when I'm playing defense. And I think those are the biggest things that I'm looking for myself. I haven't sat down with them and talked to them, but I think those are things that I personally need to do to stick around. And have you noticed any change in the way the game is played here or the level of play in your first week and a half? It's When it comes down to it, it's baseball. And the way I look at it, it's baseball. Yeah, you're playing against guys who are making hundreds of millions of dollars, and it's awesome to be out here on the same field with them. And, and you can see why they're here and why they started at such a young age, of course. But when, when you show up to the field, you can't think that. you got to think that this is just another baseball game. And, and the rate of play may be a little faster, but you're going to get a pitch to hit. You're going to get a ground ball to field. And when you go down to it, that's what kid pitch and t-ball and everything else was too. You're going to get a pitch to hit and you're going to get a ground ball or fly ball to field. So it's all going to be the same. Well, hopefully there are many great moments for you going forward in several months and years at the major league level. Five years from now, if I were to ask you same question, where do you hope to be as a big leaguer or in baseball? What, what do you hope that answer is? I would like to say I've had an established big league career by then and, and another five more years to play. Um, you know, I'm not, I can't tell you what the future has, but I can tell you that I want to be around here and I want to be playing for the Rays. And, and if I can make that a, a staple here, I'd be really happy. Hopefully that comes true. We appreciate a few minutes on this week in Rays baseball. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. That's Taylor Motter. We'll continue with our program right after this. You're listening to the Rays Baseball Network. This week in Rays Baseball, Neil Solon's with you, and time to take a look at the week gone by. And coming across the hall to join us, he's all dressed up for us. It's Brian Anderson of Fox Sports Sun. B.A., thanks for a few minutes. Oh, hey, no, no problem. Thanks for having me. Now, here's the thing. Am I a good guy to have for the week gone by? Because I was at home. Well, you you saw enough, I'm sure. <laughs> and, and I know how closely you follow things, as you saw some family while the Rays were in Miami. And you've seen the first two games here. And yep. the first two games are the first two where the Rays have gotten... Back-to-back starts into the seventh inning in the month of May. If I would have told you that, you probably would have said it's been a disastrous month overall. No question. And I think that that's why, uh, you know, the future can be bright if the starters get it together. And I think that, you know, we all feel like they're capable. They're the same guys that we've seen pitch so well. Um, but it, for whatever reason, not getting deep into games, not having the same kind of success, you just wonder what this team would be like and where it would be right now and what it can be with, you know, the offense improving. The offense is a threat. Mm-hmm. And now all of a sudden, if the starting pitching comes around, you bring Boxberger into the bullpen to make that unit stronger. And this team's got a chance to get on a run. Indeed, they do. And look, you mentioned the offense, five runs plus a game in the month of May. I mean, that's incredible. Yeah, well, that's what's kept them afloat. You know, Mm -hmm. with the starters not pitching up to their capabilities, the offense has come around. And, you know, you go back to the the series in Toronto, you know, coming off that dreadful series against Oakland uh, and the manner in which they lost and going to Toronto. And then all of a sudden, 31 runs. And I think this team looked around at each other and said, hey, we we can do this. Mm -hmm. And uh, while it's, you know, it's it's hit or miss, um, you know, because they are so uh, dependent upon the long ball at this point, we have seen them offensively be able to manufacture some runs and score without hitting it over the fence, and that's a great sign. And they are missing a couple key pieces that have speed, too, that can help you in Logan Forsyth and also Kevin Kiermaier. You know, to get back to the starting pitching, I I thought yesterday after the game, I I really liked what I heard from Matt Moore because he was accountable. He said – you know, he had a four-pitch walk with a 9-1 lead in the seventh after a pop-up was misplayed and said, I have to be better and pick my teammates up after mistakes. And to me, 
that's what this unit has to be is the group that's accountable but also dependable Listen, you know, if you want to be good at anything, I, I don't care what it is, in school, your job, my job, a professional baseball player, you have to be an honest self-evaluator. And if you're not, if you're delusional, you will never reach uh, the, you know, the apex. You, you'll, you'll never maximize your abilities in whatever field that you're in. And it starts with accountability. And, you, you know, he can say that. Now, that was a pop-up that I guarantee you, when he threw the pitch and the ball went in the air, he immediately started thinking about the next hitter because that's just an out. You're going to wait for it to be caught, and you're already game planning for the next hitter. And all of a sudden, it drops in. And now you've got to try to recover. And he ends up with the walk, and, and that inning got a, little, got a little haywire, and it got closer than, than anybody would have liked. But the fact that he can go back and say, you know what, forget the pop-up falling in. You know, my, my infielders and, and outfielders – pick me up all the time making great plays and sometimes I'm going to have to pick them up that kind of accountability is uh, as impressive as the outing was mm-hmm. and and for the group um, if the starters go deeper it certainly helps the bullpen you mentioned Boxberger coming back someone who has come back the last few outings to his form of last year I think it's Xavier Cedeno yesterday we contact both batters struck out the side against the Marlins struck out the side is outing before that against the Tigers we're starting to see the guy from last year a little bit yeah yeah and I you know and he's being counted on heavily you think about this team with the lead and you start to think about any Romero Xavier Cedeno uh, you know Colome you now you've got you've got Boxberger and Erasmo and Erasmo Ramirez right you kind of giving him a little bit of a breather right now because he has been worked over over here the first you know couple months of the season but uh, you know it's an impressive bullpen that can really shut down and shorten games um you'd like to get a couple other guys going and, and get them involved but if Xavier Cedeno can come in from the left side with that curveball and the cutter and he just makes it so difficult on opposing hitters because everything's moving he doesn't throw anything straight anymore and that's really you know going away from the four seam fastball uh you know that was straight as an arrow and getting into these pitches that are constantly moving that's where you've seen him have success and he's back to that now a guy who the Rays need to have success is the guy who starts today look you're trying to win a series you're trying to get on this 10 game road trip on a high note Kansas City's banged up Arizona hasn't played well we know what's happened in Minnesota so there's some winnable games on the trip Jake Odorizzi hasn't gone deep into games Um, 107 pitches five innings his last start what in your mind will allow him to once again get deep into games well listen he has 16 walks this season there's a couple things with Jake the last two outings both of them wins by the way for Mm -hmm. him five innings in each last time like you said over 20 pitches an inning. He's walked seven of his 16 hitters in the last two starts. So that's going to drive pitch count up number one. But the other thing that I've seen is hitters are kind of, not that they're on to Jake's game, but they know that he likes the elevated fastball. And how many times have we seen at-bats where guys have been able to spoil those pitches and foul them off, and all of a sudden now you've got a 10 or 12 pitch at-bat. It happens to Jake more than it happens to any other starter on this staff, and that will drive your pitch count up. So I think for Jake, he just has to continue to make quality pitches. I don't think that that can continue to happen like it has, uh, but you've seen teams be able to, to uh, you know, to spoil pitches on him and drive the pitch count up. 
it comes down to just executing pitches and something that uh, that we know that he can do. I know that that's driving him crazy because last year, you know, he came into spring training, put a little bit of weight on, you know, was more efficient, pound in the zone, um, and all of a sudden he was pitching deeper into games, and now he's back to that, you know, a five and a third per start for the season. I know he's not happy with that, and he's a driven uh, a driven pitcher. So I think that that will improve, and he's highlighted that, has talked about his efficiency, and you know, he's going to do everything he can to work towards being a guy that you can count on pitching into the seventh inning every time. Well, let's hope that happens today. Yeah. B.A., thanks for a few minutes. Hey, thank you for having me again. That's Brian Anderson of Fox Sports Sun. Let's pause for station identification on the Rays Baseball Network. Neil Solon's with you on this week in Rays Baseball, a week that included a pair of first-time call-ups for the Rays. Tyler Sturdivant had spent eight years in the minors. He signed with the Rays in the offseason and reflected on that accomplishment. It means a lot. I mean, it's uh, it's been a goal of mine for a long time. Um, ever since I was started playing baseball when I was five, um, my dad and I shared baseball, and my family shared baseball, uh, traveling around and you know just kind of uh, family family events, you know, traveling on the weekends and stuff like that. So I mean, all the hard work and all like where it started to be here now is uh, really really awesome. You had a decision in the off season, first time you were an f- opportunity to pursue free agency. For it to happen this early in the year, how much does that kind of justify the decision you made? Um, obviously, I made a good one. Um, you know, uh, when uh, when I was uh, looking to sign sign with the team, I was looking for opportunity the most. You know, so that was that was my biggest goal is to try to find opportunity to make it to the big leagues. And uh, the Rays uh, showed me that they had uh, a good opportunity, and you know, one reason I signed with them too. What's the biggest thing you're going to take away from that first appearance, and what will you actually remember from it? I'll take away the jog in and standing on the mound, looking into the glove for the first time, knowing knowing I'm in a big league stadium on a big league stage, and it was it was a surreal feeling. I mean, every day, like every day, is a learning a learning experience. You know, every like. There's, you never stop learning. I never stop learning. So I made a, a few adjustments last night that kind of helped me. Uh, that'll help me from here on out. You went through eight years before getting this opportunity. It would be natural for anybody to go through a point of, should I keep doing this? Obviously, you made the right decision. But was there ever a kind of a moment where you started to have some doubt? Um, yeah, of course. I mean, uh, yeah, there was. There's. Definitely had that had a little bit of that doubt. Um, being in the minor leagues for a little bit um, and being married, like nearly getting married, and that kind of thing is just changing decisions. Whether like whether this is something that's going to be able to provide for uh, my wife and I, and uh, possibly you know children in the future, you know. So um, that debate was was definitely there, but the desire to continue playing was uh, very 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 deep and uh, you know I'm really looking back now I'm really happy about the decision that uh, it was a decision that my wife and I made together you know to continue pursuing this so um, obviously the decision I made to continue is, uh, was a good one. That's Tyler Sturdivant one of two first-time call-ups this week for the Rays along with Clearwater native Ryan Garten who called this opportunity a dream come true. You know all the hard work that I've put into all the sacrifices that you make you know I mean, I haven't had a spring break and since 
on a middle school, you know, because baseball goes through, and everyone goes through all that. But it's it's crazy to think about how much time I've spent on the baseball field, and now it's actually paying off. And and I wouldn't want to do anything over again. Like I wanted the exact same way I did it, and it's it's so fulfilling. Does the call up mean more to you as a guy who grew up coming to games here? Do you think? Yeah, I mean, if you know, if it was with any other team, it'd be great as well. It's a little bit more special, obviously, being the hometown. Uh, you know, a guy from around here. It's just, you know, and it honestly means a lot of people to my my community. I mean, I've got people reaching out to me that I haven't talked to in years. And, you know, they're just happy about, you know, someone coming out of, the, you know, the county, the the high school and all that stuff. It's just They're all really excited for me. And, you know, it's just it's a, it's a really cool feeling. I'm sure you've gotten hundreds of texts and phone calls and emails since. But what are some that stick out to you and why? Uh, I would say, you know, I got a call from my two coaches at college, my head coach and my um, pitching coach, and, you know, it's awesome to hear from them. I mean, they've done a great deal to me. They you know, they started my career as a pitcher, honestly, over there at FAU. Um, I heard heard some stuff. I met one of my middle school teachers was at the game, the first game I was here. You know, that's just it's like what it's crazy and he's like yeah you know i used to, i used to talk to you in middle school i was like oh i remember you and you know he was he was cool and just crazy um all the people i mean it's honestly like, it's like it's overwhelming of how many people have you know messaged me or like you said it's just crazy but there's a lot of a lot of good stuff you mentioned the movement by florida atlantic to the mound do you remember when you first were told hey you're going to start pitching for us maybe on a more regular basis for the rays or the, it, for it, the yeah florida atlantic oh yeah uh, I, yeah, I remember my first start. Uh, I was a reliever in my sophomore year. Both my years, freshman and sophomore year, I was a reliever, but I was also a hitter. And I remember my sophomore year, my first opportunity to play was a pitch hit, a pitch hit situation. But um, I, I was one of the big guys out of the panks. I had a good summer. And uh, our, our Friday night guy just had a couple rough starts that I came in for, you know, second inning, third inning, second inning. And this has, that was repeatedly happening. And we went to Troy University. He, I think, only went one inning, or I came in the first inning, or they came in the second inning, and I ended up throwing seven innings. And I remember the next day, Coach Mack told me, he was like, hey, you know, you're going to be our, our starter from now on. And I started every Friday since. And my first start was at Louisiana Lafayette, and the first two batters I faced, I'm pretty sure I plunked them. So it, it, was, it was crazy. But, um, you know, just hard work and dedication is just it's all, it, all it took. So I'm sure it meant a great deal when you got drafted you were a lower round draft pick i mean to get here is you know a long shot for many when did you really think it was feasible for you uh when i when i had a good year in, in montgomery you know they told me there that it's, it's the same game going up from there like i mean you're gonna face the same people from you know in double a in triple a and in the big leagues and if you have success there you know it's it's I mean, you can do it and you know, hearing that and hearing people just keep telling me that oh, it's the same game, it's the same game, just just more lights and more cameras. It's the only difference. You know, it's just so. Uh, when I was in Montgomery, I probably thought, okay, you know, I have, I have a chance. And obviously, you've gotten there. What have you learned about yourself in this whole process? Uh, you know, uh, I'm a fighter. You know, I uh, last last night. You know, I kind of was upset at myself for you know not all, taking it all in because I was pretty upset at my second uh, second inning uh, but this morning I kind of woke up and I was like you know you I was talking to my brother and everything and just something that I accomplished is just amazing but at the same time what got me here is being 
is being you know hard-minded on myself and being you know I, I, I want to be the best I can be so I'm going to keep with that attitude and keep trying to improve myself so and I guess you did enjoy the celebration with your manager though when you got the call up probably it was a unique experience yeah absolutely I mean Jared and Kyle I've uh, been with them for three years now or maybe more I shot but I mean those guys have helped me so much in my career you know, it's just amazing to get the news from them, and I was just you know, super excited. And the night was amazing. I mean, I I don't think I didn't go to sleep that night. It was too hard to go to sleep. That is understandable for one Ryan Garten, a local product and former 34th round pick, who this week made his big league debut. Now, this week also included a return to Tropicana Field by several former Rays. Edwin Jackson, part of the 08 World Series team, was one of them, and we discussed what he'll remember most from that year. Uh, definitely a lot of memories. That a lot of um. You know, my baseball career, a lot of fun memories coming back from that 2018. Um, I would say the most memorable would be probably going to the World Series. I've, um, I've had the luxury in my career of being in a few celebrations amongst teams, but I would say um, every time we every time we won a series, those were some some real authentic celebrations. I, it was one of those things that you couldn't script. You know, every every time the champagne hit somebody's body. It was definitely, um, it was definitely original. The feeling, it, it was something that wasn't staged, or it was no, you know, fake smiles or fake laughs, or you know, just happy we did it. Um, it was actually some real, it was some real enjoyment and excitement in those clubhouses. You have been on two teams that have gotten to the World Series, right? The Cardinals right. as well. Correct. What made that team in Tampa Bay more special to you in that year? We weren't supposed to be there. Um, Probably out of all the teams that made playoffs, we were probably the least expected, you know, to make it into a World Series. We had didn't have a high payroll. We had a couple people um, making making a few dollars, but for the most part, it was it was a young team. I want to say the average age was probably 22 to 24, and um, it was like it was like an enhanced college team. But the the talent we had in you know, we believe that we can go out and win ball games, and able to do that, and able to sur- surpass and overcome all the obstacles that we overcame. Uh, it was just one of those special years that I'm sure a lot of people on that team will never forget. And that is former Rays pitcher Edwin Jackson, now with the Miami Marlins and working out of their bullpen. Miami also has former Rays draft pick Derek Dietrich, who was traded for Yanel Escobar, and Derek still thinks highly of his time with the Rays. You know, it's um, you know Tampa Bay will always uh, have a special place in my heart. You know, it's the first uh, professional team I ever played for, so um, I'm always grateful and thankful for that opportunity that they gave me. And uh, you know, it's always nice coming back. You see some of the the guys you played with, some of the the staff that you know you, saw, you had in the minor leagues and along the way. So it's a cool feeling. Are there any guys that you're still friends with uh, who are from this organization originally? And if so, who? Sure, Kevin Kiermaier. Um, we were roommates coming up uh, through A ball and. Uh, we played a lot of games together, so um, unfortunately, tough break for him, no pun intended, but, um, you know, he was always a great guy. Um, Mikey Matuk was on, on the, the minor league team with me as well, and, uh, yeah, a couple pitchers. So, um, yeah, it's uh, you see some guys that you know, and, and I'm happy for the guys doing well. This is so far, at least on paper, it would seem this has been kind of your best consecutive run. Do you feel that way? Yeah, absolutely. This is the... 
the best season so far. Um, it's uh, been very consistent, and you know that's all I've really been trying to uh, accomplish as a player. I know I have a lot of confidence in my ability and what I can bring to the team and how the, I can help the team win, and now it's just uh, being consistent with that every single day. So, How have you – we saw you when you first came up, so how have you grown? How have you matured, do you think, offensively, defensively, and, and off the field? Um, well – Offensively, I think my plate discipline has has really improved. Um, really working the counts, being a tough out, very competitive at bat. I'm trying to have every single time and and make it as tough on the the pitcher as possible. So, um, just really working on on being a tough out up there. Um, defensively, we have Perry Hill, who's the best in the game. I think as a as an infield instructor, and uh, you know he's just helped me at second base, third base, um, and you know really being able to play all over even some some outfield too so being more versatile and uh you know off the field just kind of maturing as a as a player and as a person as I get older and uh you know just having a great time with my teammates and and enjoying the enjoying the the game and everything about it you're kind of fortunate in that you've got three interesting individuals so they're either players or on the staff I mean each row is closing in on 3,000 hits in the states alone uh, and then you've got Don Mattingly, who had such a terrific career, and a hitting coach like Barry Bonds, and we know what he's done. What, what have you learned maybe from each of them so far? <laughs> well, Ichiro has been so fun to watch, and just to see the way he goes about his business and how he prepares, it's um, it's unlike anything, um, you know, anyone else. I mean, that's the reason why he's probably doing what he's doing at his age, and he's just very consistent and very disciplined, and he's just a fun guy to be around and watch. Um, Don Mattingly has brought... Uh, unbelievable leadership um, and within the team and and we you know we trust him and he's been great and he's got your back and and uh, you know he's a lot of fun to play for and uh, Barry Bonds I mean can you say one of the the best hitters of all time and uh, you know very very knowledgeable really knows the 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 approach to hitting and and you know what you should be looking for and and really what what you want to take up there as a plan and, and the process and everything. So he's helped a lot in, in those regards. So you got a great staff um, of individuals that can you know help um, players individually and as a team, as a unit. And that's former race draft pick and current member of the Marlins, Derek Dietrich, who visited this past week. Now, this coming Saturday will mark two years since the passing of one of the really most appreciated members of this race organization. When we return, we'll sit down with Sut Zimmer. That's coming up on the Race Baseball Network. We continue on This Week in Race Baseball, and we have a special guest today, Soot Zimmer. We are nearing two years since the passing of Don. And first of all, I wanted to say that I'm glad that we did this again this year because I got so many nice compliments about last year's interview. So thank you for coming on with us once again. Thank you. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure. How are you doing? And does it feel like two years? No, it doesn't seem like two years. But take a look around in my condo. Don't you see him everywhere? <laughs> His picture, all the memorabilia. Well, I think of him every day, and no, it doesn't seem like two years. But thankfully, I have my family around me, and, you know, the Rays have been great to me. I watch all the games. I never sat at a game with him, so it isn't like watching the game would be different without him because he would be at the ballpark or you know I even though I went to the ballpark I didn't sit with him <laughs> but anyway uh no it doesn't seem like two years coming up mm. and I would agree that a lot of us think about him in many ways every day and certainly we're going to chat about that a little bit today I know last year when we sat down you talked about some of the pinch hitting 
that you were doing. Are you still doing something of that? Or are you spending more time with grandkids, great-grandkids? No, I have done a few things for the Rays. I still go to the banquet where they give out the most valuable player award they named after him. And I go to the Clearwater for Youth uh, Foundation dinner that the Rays fund a scholarship in his name and give out that scholarship. And I've gone to opening day and, yeah, I'm... What, what they oh and then Evan Longoria put a, a sunscreen on the playground down in uh, <clears throat> winter uh, down in I was going to say Winterhead that shows how far back I'm going <laughs> down in Port Charlotte and uh, he dedicated to Don and so Zimmer and I thought that was so nice so I went down for that and uh, but yes I'm still doing it, but I do a lot of things with my family too. I would think so. And, you know, you mentioned all the nice tributes um, from the MVP award to uh, to the scholarship. Are there any of those that you think would mean more to him and which one means the most to you? Oh, my. Well, there's even another scholarship up in Wyndham, New Hampshire, where my my daughter's from. Uh, She is on an endowment committee up there and they have had a Don Zimmer scholarship fund up there. And she put on, they put on, the endowment put on a uh, evening where they <clears throat> kind of dedicated to Don. This was after he was gone, showed some film and that, and she was able to get some old Red Sox players back. And <laughs> unbelievably, Rico Petroselli, Bob Montgomery, Bob Stanley, I mean, it was unbelievable. And it was such a big success. Somebody said, are you going to do this every year? Well, they're, no, they're not going to do it every year. But they're still funding, you know, trying to get the scholarship up there. So I would say he'd be thrilled with all the scholarships, you know, never dreaming. And he was – he never thought he was a star in baseball. But I think he made his mark. But anyway, uh, yes, he'd be – you know, he would be proud of anything that they named after him. How about you? Um, oh. Does does the MVP mean more? Do the scholarships mean more? What which one do you, which ones do you? They all, they all are wonderful. I don't. I wouldn't want to pick out one that means more. But most valuable player award. That's really nice. <laughs> he didn't win the most valuable player when he played. He was. He used to say he's one of the rinky dinks. But again, I say he he made his his spot in the game after sixty six years. He did something right that he was around that long anyway. Indeed, he did, and and you did as well. And you know, we were chatting a little bit before we got air, on air about your grandchildren and your great grandchildren. And there's one, uh, and I don't know if Don ever played favorites, but there's one who seems very much like him, and that's Whitney, who coached a team to the NCAA regionals in, in Division Three softball now for back-to-back years up in Massachusetts. Congrats. Well, I wouldn't say that she's a favorite, but she's the one that's carried on a sport <laughs> on in, you know, after school. I mean, we had we have three grandsons that played ball in high school and that, but they went on to college and, you know, did their thing with their studies. But she went to college on a softball scholarship, and now she's a softball college coach, and he would be so proud this last week, I wish she was here when she pulled that suicide squeeze in a game. <laughs> Didn't come off, but anyway, she tried it. It was the idea that she tried it at the right time, and it was for a winning winning the game. And the girl didn't get a bat on the ball, but she ended up getting a hit. And the player that ran from third to home got back to third, and so it all worked out. But all I could think of was, oh, that was one of his favorite plays, and I wish he'd have been here to see that. 
It's the idea that she's got the knowledge. I mean, they used to talk on the phone all the time. He'd come home and he'd say, Mom, I just talked to Whitney. He'd used his cell phone to call her, and they discussed things. And I think that was great, you know. And, yes, yeah, she's, she's the one that's got his knowledge of coaching and that. And Evan uh, Longoria, who Don was very close to, also sent a message on Twitter, a video message, and you actually got to see it, right? Uh, yes, she somehow or other got it to me because I'm not a Twitter person. But anyway, <laughs> I don't get onto the internet. I have an iPad, and she and her team were so thrilled that he, you know, wished them luck for the regionals. Well, they won the regionals, and then this was for the super regionals, and even the race sent a congratulatory, you know, wished her luck. Yes, that was very very nice. I really really appreciated that. And then I text <laughs> Evan. He said, Soot, is that you? <laughs> because I never did that before. I never want to bother the players, you know. But anyway, Don had his number, and I, I wasn't even sure it was his number still. But anyway, I did convey my thanks because Don uh, Whitney was just so thrilled that, you know, to get that from him. And I'm sure Evan appreciated the, the, the kind words back. Um, you know, I know he was close to Evan. He was close to Tom Foley, uh, Rick Vaughn. Um, who, who are the people that you now are still, uh, you still keep in touch with from the Rays um, over the last year? You just named three of them, and I, in Westie, uh, you know, what, uh, Chris Westmoreland, who was a clubhouse uh, man, but now he's the traveling secretary. Those four, I would say, are, are the most, you know, because I don't know a lot of the fellas today. There are so many new ones, yes. Uh, but, you know, I... I keep in touch with them. Rick Vaughn calls me all. In fact, it was through Rick Vaughn that that Evan knew about uh, Whitney and, because he happened to call me to see how I was doing. And, and I told him about watching. I stream. Can you, can you believe this? 85-year-old grandma saying, I streamed her games on my iPad. <laughs> and the, those regional games were coming up. And so uh, he's the one that passed it on to Evan about it would be nice to send a little congratulatory or you know good wishes not surprised that that RV decided to do that um you mentioned streaming uh games in fact Don used to watch Whitney's games when she was playing too right when she was a player not a coach that's right I mean he didn't know how to do it but he'd get down to the clubhouse and he'd get Westy in the in you know his office he'd now get this on tv and of course the guys all know how to do it Yes, he watched her play, too, which is great. How many uh, grandkids and great-grandkids do you have now? I have four grandchildren. Our son, Tom, had three boys. Bo, who's on Channel 10 as a you know, a news reporter. And then he's got the twins. And then uh, Whitney is our daughter's you know, daughter. So I have four grandchildren and five greats, if you can believe that. Mm. I'm sure it's nice to have the family around close and able to keep in touch with the Rays still right here in your backyard. That's very much so. Of course, our daughter lives up north, but uh, between – that's the good thing. I'm not big on technology, but that is one thing great about the iPad. She can send me pictures of what is going on up there with, with my other grade up there, but then I have dinner and, and I'm with the kids here every week when I mean, we do something together every week and of course with Tom and his wife living right here in our complex you know I 
practically go out to eat with them almost every night or go to one another's houses for a meal. So that is nice. Indeed, it is. You're, you know, there was such a, a great um, number of people who reached out from the baseball world outside of the Rays um, when Don passed. And I remember last year we talked about Jim Leland and Joe Torrey. And I was curious if if they or others um, have stayed in touch. And if so, how, how often? Surprisingly that they do. You know, I know a lot of widows, they're dropped when their husbands die. <laughs> when I mean dropped, they don't get to hear from anybody. But yes, his buddies do call me. Jimmy Leland calls, Joe Torrey. Uh, he has a couple other, you know, friends that call me. And I think that's nice. I mean, you know, I'm, could we talk baseball? <laughs> one fella calls. He says, he calls me Mrs. Baseball. He says, you're the only one I can talk baseball with. <laughs> But anyway, yes. You, you watch a lot of the game still, don't you? I mean, you stay pretty much in touch and have a good feel. Well, I I look forward to the games every day. You know, just like when I – Whitney's games, I stream them. I mean, I watch our games all the time. Yes, that that's my daily ritual. That, that wouldn't, wouldn't be right if I didn't watch baseball every day. <laughs> you and involved in so many years. What would Don say about the team right now? Uh, or watching this team? Are there things where you look at it and go, boy, he would say this? Or or do I, I, you think of kind of conversations that you would have with him about a game or a team? You know, I'm going to tell you something, Neil. I'm, I don't know who asked me this. I don't even, Maybe you did last year. Somebody asked me one time, did I ever give Don any advice? Oh, brother, that was <laughs> – that should have never been asked. Don said to me one time, Mom, you take care of the dishes and I'll take care of the baseball. Can you imagine me saying, going down to the dugout and saying, now, I think you ought to take this picture out. No, I would never do that. We would discuss things, but I would never give him advice about baseball. <laughs> but do you think there were things, when you watch a team play or when you watch the race play, do you think, boy, I wonder what he would say about this? Yes, even Evan and I have even said that. I wonder what he would say about this. Uh, you asked me about what he would think about the team. I would say the American League Eastern Division is so different this year. It used to be one of the best divisions, and now they're all so close that anybody could, you know, still end up in first place because back and forth every day. So they're not out of it, and, you know, they're still competitive and as well as everybody else in this division. But I don't know what he, you know, he, he always hit hope every year for whatever. <laughs> What are the, you know, here we are two years later. Um, I think we talked about this last year. What are the things that you want people to know? Maybe there's something about Don that we didn't know, that we should know. Is there anything there or or something, you know, everyone knew about his personality and, and how he used to bust people's chops, but maybe a side that we didn't see of Don. No, I think he was pretty uh, demonstrative, <laughs> I should say. He didn't let, you know, he said what he wanted to say. And, you know, here right at the end, when he was sick, before he went in for his heart operation, he came out here one day and he said, Mom, I've done everything I've wanted to do. I have no regrets. And uh, he was sentimental at the end. And uh, he, he said, I have, you know, I, there's nothing that I regret that I didn't do or anything. And he did a lot of things that maybe, you know, he shouldn't have done or whatever, don't we all? But, uh, you know, at the time he thought they were right. So, you know, I would say that's the way he is. I mean, he was anyway. 
And is that the way that you hope that people remember a person who, who, who spoke his mind, who, who wasn't afraid to hold back, but who obviously loved the game and the people he was around? Yes, he spoke his mind. I will say that. I mean, that he wasn't shy on saying, like I say, what, what he thought at the time. Don't we all say things that later on we, we might regret? I'm not saying he regretted anything, but he did spoke his mind. So I think, you know, people knew anybody that met him, you know, they met Don Zimmer. <laughs> he didn't hold anything back. He was not shy. <laughs> That's for sure. No doubt. We have the pleasure of having Sud Zimmer on our program and Sud. What do you enjoy the most about the game of baseball? Because now you've been around it for, what, 68 years? Yes, 68 years. I, we, he was in it 66, and I was in it all the way along the line with that. And then we went together in high school, so I watched him play high school ball and everything. Uh, I'm just a baseball fan. You know, you, just, uh, you don't just quit doing that because, you know, of somebody passing on, but... I just feel like he's with me when I watch the games, and, you know, that's that was part of our life. I mean, every season, spring training, and then the game, you know, and then all went along. You can't wait till it to start again, and that's just, uh, that's, that's just my way of living. Well, we're glad it's still your way of living, and I would say that we hope that this way of living continues for many, many years to come and that we can do this year after year after year. Oh, please, Neil. <laughs> I don't know how long I'm going to be around, but if I'm still around next year, yes, we, we could do it again. Sounds like a plan. Thanks for joining us on This Week in Rays Baseball. Thank you for having me again. One of my favorite interviews to do, Sut Zimmer. We certainly appreciate her and all of our guests on today's program, including Taylor Motter, as well as other new call-ups, Ryan Garten and Tyler Sturdivant of the Rays, Edwin Jackson, former Ray, along with another former Rays draft pick, Derek Dietrich, and Brian Anderson of Fox Sports Sun for joining us, too. And thanks to our producer, Trey Downey, on today's program. Hey, let the Rays help your kids beat the summer heat Sunday, June 12th, when the Rays face the Houston Astros, all kids 14 and under receive a bucket hat presented by Tradewinds Island Resorts. Call 888-FAN-RAYS or visit RaysBaseball.com today. Raise up. On our show next week, we're going to chat with outfielder Mikey Matsuk, a former Rays first-round pick, and preview the Major League Baseball draft, which will be in the week following. Of course, if you ever have something you'd like to hear on this show, all you have to do is tweet me, at Neil Solon's. That's all one word. I'm Neil Solon. Stay tuned. The pregame show is next. It's the Rays and Yankees. You're listening to the Rays Baseball Network.